You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All right, and we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Felony Inc. Podcast. Broadcasting live from Netspace in all of our home offices, respectively, in Portland, Oregon today. A beautiful day in Portland, nice and rainy, a little misty, as usual. In the, you know, towards the end of April, that's typical in Portland. Um, Felony Inc. Podcast, we like to say, in a society that houses the largest inmate population on Earth, anything that can be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable, and that's what we attempt to accomplish here at Felony Inc. Podcast by inspiring and providing uh, – you know, stories of people who, you know, essentially redemption stories of people who have gotten stuff together and been through, fell and back and, you know, built their own businesses from the ground up. Uh, today on the podcast, joining me as always, great co-host, Meg Thibodeau. Meg, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm all right, Dick. How's it going? Uh, I can't complain. <laughs> it's nice good, to hear your voice from yeah, my house to, to your you. house. I do miss the sound studio, but I think we're kind of... We're kind of do walking our talk with our our pivot here, our ability to entrepreneur this podcast into a <laughs> remote situation. I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed with how we keep it going. It's still a lot of fun. Hey, oh. so you know, I noticed a couple things, and I know you and I are both uh, pretty adamant reading the different things that are going on during this coronavirus with the uh, criminal justice system, particularly in our state. Um, a couple of things I wonder if you have read for a little good news, a little bad news. Okay. I don't know which one to start with. The, the one that really made me excited was to find out that the state of Oregon, which was the last state in the country to have a law where a unanimous jury was required for a felony con- conviction. I mean, embarrassing, right? Like anything but murder. <laughs> Oregon was allowed to convict a felony without a unanimous jury, without a unanimous jury until very recently. And finally, that law has been passed. You got to wonder what uh, what was the motivation to kind of hold that back for so long? Like, what were we what were we waiting for? Uh, essentially, yeah, as you know, as we all know, um, it's supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, that's that's the only way that we even get an attempt to share. Uh, a fair shake in court and in trial. And so to handicap us and to make it to where uh, two jurors don't think we did it, but the other, the other 10 did, uh, we still get convicted. It's outlandish in my opinion. Right. It was a 10 juror conviction yeah. in Oregon for anything but murder. And I mean, it just, it is, it's like, it's frustrating. Here we are in, in a state that proposes to be quite liberal about things like this, particularly human rights. And we have this draconian law in place that allows more people to be put into our prisons, which kind of brings me to the news that I find really disturbing during this time. I mean, we know how prisons are basically used as slave labor, cheap labor for large corporations to do things. And it's recently come out that for years now, the prisons, particularly the men's prison in Salem, Oregon, is being used as a laundry facility for hospitals. And that, that's been going on a very long time. It's concerning enough that um, we're, we, have law, we had laws in place that would put more people in our jails. And then those people, there are laws in place that those people have to work full time. And then those people are paid something in the range, you know, 25 to 50, 60 cents an hour. Yeah. to handle business that the prison gets to charge the hospital a rate to do this job and then have these insanely low labor costs. And now particularly using inmates to do this, this laundry is putting their lives at risk. It just seems really quite cruel. Well, um, the thing about that is it's not like they're doing a doctor's dry cleaning, you know, they're, if you know anything about hospital, hospital laundry is probably 
uh, some of the most unsettling laundry on earth, in, in my opinion. And um, just, Gary, I mean, it's funny just, that you are unsettling laundry. I really like you. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, though. I mean, prisoners always get the short end of the stick. And uh, here's just another example of that. And um, honestly, the one good thing about the story is that it came to light, you know, because I, I didn't know about this until now. And um, I guess this has been standard practice for quite some time is what it sounds like. It does sound like that and that there's no additional, you know, these people are not getting hazard pay. These people have no choice about risking their lives. If they actually want a different job inside the prison, that's a laborious and often ignored attempt. You know, uh, it could be once I asked for some antibiotics in prison to help me with the flu and I got, you know, I got an appointment to see the medic two months later. So we know that the wheels that turn in prison do not turn at a rate that's actually useful for human beings. It's pure bureaucracy and privatized business that is actually using these people for slave labor. And it's, you know, among many other things. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's great that it's come to light. And I just feel like I'm really grateful that we have this podcast. I hope that anyone that's listening again, I want to come back over and over to how can we re humanize, you know, how can we uplift the humanity of actual human beings that they're not trash, they're not slaves, they're not the people who should be doing our most unsettling laundry. And the more that people, you know, we can take this podcast and interview people like the guest we have on today that we can get to is an opportunity for people to see that folks inside prison are people who can really, truly contribute to this society in ways that maybe are needed now more than ever. I'm tired yeah. of listening to what celebrities and wealthy people have to say about <laughs> what we should be doing with our lives, right? I would much rather yeah. hear from folks that have a lot of experience with oppression, with being able to pivot, with being able to um, you know, weather uncertainty in ways that aren't always taught to us. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're all about adaptation here at Felony Inc. And um, speaking of that, our guest today is Scott Jennings from FitTech and Assembly. Uh, he's a member of the exclusive club, which is the three-time guest of Felony Inc. podcast. I think this is him <laughs> in Georgia Durante at this point. Well, yeah, we're, we're, get, we're, we're starting to collect some triple triple headers it's really nice to have folks back so we can get a little deeper in the story and also to watch how people's uh trajectories change it's really it's really interesting are you here scott i am and i'm starting to feel very special you are, you are. welcome <laughs> thank you for being here today with us oh it's my pleasure my pleasure and, you know and just that opening, you guys said so much about the reality of the situation for those who have been incarcerated, who, uh, uh, you know, have judicial issues. You know, um, me and Brian Hamilton just wrote an article that would, that came out in USA Today yesterday regarding the PPP program and the stimulus loans and the questions that were involved, um, you know, that were exclu excluding for those. And, um, and those questions really came at first, they were very broad. And then in the loan processes, they really got it down. They shaved it down to if you've been judicially involved in the last five years, you aren't going to get help. Well, let's put that into some perspective to understand why this is a, a, a jacked up way of looking at helping your fellow human, human in front of you, right? And that is, I, 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 I got caught drinking and driving, and you had me on probation for two years or three years, but that's the only thing I've ever done in my life. I've changed my life. I've thought about, I've gotten sober. I've done whatever. I've done all the right things because it happened in the last five years. The business that I've operated for the last 15 to 20 years can't get help. And yeah. so every family that relies on me now is going to suffer because of a five-year window. Yeah. So let's just put that in perspective. You know, yeah, like you said, Oregon, these guys are now, guys and gals are now washing, you know, laundry that's coming directly from. And I guarantee you it's probably not going through a UV light and other, all this other stuff prior to being washed because we all know what these environments are. So, you know, keep bringing the light, keep showing it. You know, that's why we write articles um, and stuff. You know, it, it makes entrepreneurs and, and, and other organizations to, to, you know, get ahead.
and and try to hey, show that. Scott, will you talk more about inmates to entrepreneurs? Yeah, We'd love oh, of to course. Hear more about what's going on with that. Well, so, uh, obviously, here recently, you guys interviewed Lawrence, um, uh, Lawrence Carpenter. He's our. He's actually our. our um, he's head of the board for us these days. Um, Inmates Entrepreneurs has been around since, God, Brian started actually going into prisons and talking somewhere in the mid-90s. I want to say it was 96. It formed for a little while in 2000. As, let's see here. I was, excuse me, while I was incarcerated, I was probably in the second class he ever did inside of a prison under the name of Inmates Entrepreneurs. And since then, we've just grown, right? So we, we grew, we shut down for a short bit because we had sort of lost our way. You know, running a nonprofit is not exactly easy when you, you know. Um, no, and so And so we came back. We've been back for three or four years, something like that. Anyhow, we teach classes. We do uh, in the state of North Carolina. We, we teach uh, in Charlotte, Wilmington, Raleigh, Durham, Fayetteville. We've tried Asheville as well, where we teach uh, segments of classes for eight weeks at a time. The basics of entrepreneurship. We also go into prisons and we talk. That was what we call the "I give us, uh, I have a dream" speech. You know, so we get them interested in legal ways of entrepreneurship. I always try to call out the drug dealers in the house because they already have a good understanding of the basics of supply and demand, and just let's use this this for good. Um, you know, so we do our parts. We go into prisons. We recently made it into a jail. We went into Mecklenburg Jail, which is Charlotte's jail. So this Charlotte is the 16th or 17th largest city in the U.S. now, and they made it into the jail to specifically talk to those who were, you know, doing their time in there, which was really cool. The other day, they said that was an amazing experience. Um, and then because of the pandemic, right, we have now pivoted to Zoom. And that has actually been, for me personally, awesome. I love to teach. God, I get off on teaching and, 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 and helping these people find a new way. And Zoom, to me, is we are now starting a steering committee because this removes borders, right? Now we can offer what we teach the basics of entrepreneurship and helping people start from like the our mentality is you just walked out of prison and you got a $40 gate check. How do you turn that into real money? That's how we think. We're not talking about go out and you got to have $2,000 to start a business, $5,000. How do you take 40 bucks and start a business? I started fit tech and assembly on $75 and 86 Toyota pickup truck and a bag of tools. And I'm a million dollar business today. You know, Lawrence Carpenter started his cleaning service that you guys talked to him about. I think he tells, I think his story is 450 bucks and he's a million dollar business today, you know, um, you know, and, and other people inside of our organization. And it's, it's just work your tail off and work with what you have at the time being to get you there. So yes, yeah, go ahead. Keep talking, say that about zoom. And then I have a question. So zoom offers a wonderful experience opportunity for us. So when people are teaching, we're just, we've got volunteers. So all of us have our different ability in teaching, right? So I can teach a whole class, but I'm going to get to certain sections of the, of, of the material and I'm going to be weak on it because that's just not my forte. I don't care about that section of business. That's why I have a bookkeeper or I have this person or that person because that's what they do, right? And so Zoom allows us to start sharing like through either Google Docs or, uh, or PowerPoint building in videos and things like that into the curriculum so that when someone is weak as a teacher, when they get to that point, if they happen to sign up in the, or they've been asked to teach this class, that we just give even better content, you know, and, and whatnot. It's just, it's exciting. It's fun. And there's nothing like someone having those aha moments, you know, and especially to find out that they came to the class and a year later, their business is up and running or their business started by the time class ended or, or whatnot, you know, it's just cool, man. <laughs> you know, I get that. You want to see my juice get going. You know, I might be sober today, but I can get really jacked on teaching business and talking business and seeing someone be successful and learning how to take very little and turn it into a lot. You know, so that just, is a, that goes directly into the question that I have for you, because I hear that excitement. I mean, you are a living example of someone and you're talking about it right now. I mean, your past podcasts that you've had, your past shows that you've done with us here, I can really hear that passion in your voice, how you were able to take your experience, 
and turn it around. You call out the drug dealers in your own classes. You have these people that show up and many of them become very successful. And I think that's our experience here too, is the pleasure of being able to see a deep transformation for people to take a certain skill set and apply it in a different arena for us, you know, an illegal arena to a legal arena. And I'm just curious with your experience, this is kind of an ongoing and esoteric question for me is, what is it? Do you have a sense of what it is that that makes some people like Lawrence Carpenter, for example, he was a great guest, uh, be able to really grasp the need to be able to do something bigger, uh, you know, I hate to use the word better, but truly better, something more nourishing, sustainable, and better for everyone versus what they were doing. Like, does that make sense? Do you have mm-hmm. a sense of what it is that certain something that makes somebody be able to do that, whereas other people have a really hard time with it? Well, I think okay. So let, let's 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 back up and start thinking about the basics of human nature and what is what is very common across the board with all entrepreneurs, right? So one, the dopamine response to a deal. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So I start off at 15 years old. I get high for the very first time. I'm immediately like, oh, this is awesome. Right. And then then quickly, in my past story, I was the guy who sold you the candy in middle school, but I didn't understand that was entrepreneurship. I just wanted to get candy and have a little pocket change. Right. And then, then when I saw found drugs, immediately I start to sell drugs because I'm like, shoot, I can get this for free or get my own or, you know, I'm thinking around the space. And until I, so we all sort of had that same response, whether we did things illegal or legal, right? So we, so we all get jacked up on the transaction, right? It's like when you're following Gary Vee and, and other people and they're talking about you just have the passion for, for the, the, the transactional process. You have the passion for the building, you know? And the hard, the interesting part is that a drug dealer is already someone who takes risks, inherent risks. So when they come into business, they already the the risk and the reward is something that they already understand. You know, they already did this. All right. So it's it's a little bit easier. And we have to all fully admit that in business it is scary. If you are not not fearful several times, if not constantly throughout a year. You're not doing business big enough. You know what I mean? You're not pushing hard enough. At least that's how it feels, right? Example being the pandemic here, right? How many people are contracting and losing their mind? How many people are then realizing, oh, my gosh, and then figuring out how to expand? The people who are figuring out how to to expand are going to be the ones who come out of this and are going to come out like a lion. The rest are going to sort of tumble out onto the ground. Some will just disappear. Right. So we but we all, as far as formerly incarcerated, it's because we had that spirit. We just didn't have the guidance more. Often Do you think it not. can be taught oh, I, um, within reason, within reason. All right. So, you know, other people would say, so, you know, it can't be. Um, I think there's different levels. So in my organization, I'm definitely the entrepreneur. There's other people inside my organization who are the entrepreneurs. I give them the bumpers. And I, and I cut the path, but they will create like crazy inside of it, you know, and, and they bring good ideas to the table and so forth. And, and I almost feel like some of these people have developed in a way that they could actually create the new path. You know, so I'm, I'm, but the vast majority, I think, I think they're just too employee minded. They need the safety of someone pays me my paycheck. Um, that's why the vast majority of businesses fail within that three-year period, right? And um, it's because those were the people that are a little too employee mindset who had dreams. They just didn't have the juice, the tenacity to keep going when shit really got rough. They didn't have the creativity. But we need employees too, right? So exactly. I'm, I'm, oh, definitely. What, you know, I, I'm guessing that your inmate to entrepreneur classes are also useful for folks that are not going to end up having their own businesses. What oh, you definitely. Talk, speak a little more to what elements of that process are, you know, sort of ubiquitous and can be useful for anyone. 
Well, you know what? It's a, okay, so you guys know this. Every single one of us on this phone call, every single person listening, every single person that we come in contact has this one innate thing about ourselves. We are all the best employee. Our ego tells us we are the best and that why am I not getting this and why am I not getting that? And we've all done it. And, you know, now through maturity, maybe we, we develop some humility. But I can guarantee you when I was young, I, I mean, I need to go back and apologize to every single person I ever worked for. You know, really do. And but so what we hope that even if these people do not start businesses, they now understand what what it is how it's so difficult and they become better employees because we've shown them from beginning to end the very basics. And, and for me personally, when I teach, I'm a very, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm entertaining to say the least. And I love to tell stories of my failures as long as of my, as well as my successes. And I talk about how imperfect I am and how I screwed things up and what I learned out of it. And I hope that these individuals take those same stories and, and are wise enough to go, Oh, okay. Now I understand. So when I work for somebody, they're just doing the best they can, you know, and they're trying to figure it out as they go. Cause there's no secret sauce to any of this. Not at all. You know, all you get is a little bit of wisdom and knowledge throughout the years to where you start recognizing things. All right. And you go, oh, I don't have to make that mistake again. Or, you know, or I've seen that or oh, that looks similar to this thing here. So hopefully what we're doing is we are whoever's in that class comes out of it more enriched and better by the time those eight weeks are up. And if we gave them the tools that they need to be successful personally and, and launch out on their own, hopefully we did that. If we made them a better person as an employee and understand who who the what the person is who's writing their paycheck is going through, they'll understand and they understand how to be a better team member. Love it. What you it's got, Dick? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, let me you hand know, it over to you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you said Lawrence Carpenter is a big part of MMA's entrepreneurs. Now, was he part of number it Number 42, you? by the way. Number 42 is his episode for listeners that want to hear his amazing story. Yeah, yeah. And then we have another one coming up soon. Um, so, Scott, uh, how, how, how tight are you and Lawrence? Um, we're not super tight uh, because we're all busy as owners. Um, but I've been around them enough to know some basics about them for sure. Um, and, and trust them, you know, if he says he's going to get it done, he's going to get it done. You know, um, I guess we've been hanging out through inmates for uh, three or four or five years now. Okay. Like that. And, uh, that, that's a good amount of time. Um, so one of the things that struck me from your last uh, couple couple episodes of your po- podcast is that you say that one of your main things is you try to be 10% better than everyone else. How does that apply to, uh, I mean, do you continue that kind of spirit with animated entrepreneurs? Is that across the board and just in life or is that just in business? For me personally, that is definitely me. Right. Um, I am, I have a routine. I teach this in class all the time. I teach, because I've been, okay, I've been sober just over 13 years now. So I just got my 13 years back on the 19th, right? And, and what, what the 12-step process did for me is open up um, a stairway to a better life and an accountability and an introspection that I did not know prior. You know, I think it's a blessing to have ended up going being incarcerated, learning about being an addict and alcoholic and given this process. All right. Then that led to, as a business owner, uh, me learning that I needed to better myself. And that's where I learned about, hey, I, can have, I have the potential to strive to be 10% better every day than anybody else that I'm working around. Right? And that's usually through the small things. Now, inside of Inmates to Entrepreneurs, it's still actually the version that we have now with, with Brian selling off his main business and fully jumping into Inmates, we're still creating. And so, yeah, there. When we have board meetings, or when we have other uh, communication, you know, we're starting to form steering committees. Even though we're a couple of years in, because of just because of growth, right? These are temporary ones. They'll steer for a while, then they'll dissolve because we solved the problem. Um, 
I think we do. I think we, we're really good at holding ourselves accountable because we talk about the other organizations who have been around longer, and we talk about where people have made mistakes in character, um, in ethics, and whatnot. And and the key is that we do no harm, and we provide the best product possible. And we talk about very straightforward when we failed. You know, when we just haven't done a good job, when we didn't deliver the goods, you know, we made a mistake with the prison the other day. We didn't handle the situation very well. And it was very real conversation. And, you know, and and it took a couple months before the talk happened. But you know what? Now we'll be 10 percent better the next time. And we're going to figure this out. And so now someone has been assigned. We need to mend that relationship. You know, those are the things that matter. Right. So, yeah, 10% so for everybody is easy. Let's pa- if you just pause for a second, hold mm-hmm. on, thought. This is very interesting stuff. Uh, we just need to take a quick break to do an ad, and we'll be right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. All right, and we're back. Second part of it, if you're just joining us, the Pelonian Podcast. Our guest today is Scott Jennings from FitTech and Assembly. Uh, FitTech and Assembly is fitness equipment and hydro massage installation and service solutions. Um, Scott, you were just telling us a little bit more about uh, your experience with Inmates to Entrepreneurs, the nonprofit that you are a part of, um, feel free to continue. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know what we were talking about 10% better, right? And the key is that that's what we're trying to teach with everybody. That's what we try to hold ourselves accountable for, you know, inside of our organization, we have people who are at the very beginning of their journeys of entrepreneurship. We have those who have, who have built and sold their businesses and now they're giving back in their life. We have people that Actually, you know, employees who don't know anything about building a business, um, you know, so it's an, it, it is no different from any other organization. Yes, we hold ourselves highly accountable to build the best product. I mean, we have a digital online platform called Starter U that, one, is free. If you go to BronHamiltonFoundation.com or .org, Starter U, or I think you can go to InmatesDontrepreneurs.org forward slash starter you, you can find it in both locations, but we have that program running inside of either 130 or 160 prisons. So we can teach people in the prisons that allow internet service. So we're teaching still today. That is freaking cool. That is so cool to be able to do. And now we have starter you for teens because Brian teaches out of the foundation. He starts, they do, they do stuff at high schools. He's been doing stuff with veterans. I mean, that's our goal. Is his motto is entrepreneurship for everyone. And I completely agree. You know, we, obviously we need employees and we need good employees. And it, the, the key is that hopefully we are spreading light in every little corner that we can get into. That's the goal. It's a great goal. That's amazing. So, Do you all want to tra- transition a little bit to fit tech? I'm, I'm super curious how the coronavirus is affecting <laughs> your job as someone who uh, takes care of commercial fitness equipment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, so, you know, I have good news. I got bad news. I got in-between news. Uh, we'll try to do the bullet points of everything. So, um, first and foremost, uh, come – so, our – Come March, I can't remember, you know, when everything was starting to shut down and stuff, um, we uh, we take care of some major franchises. 
and it's and we like we have like every one of their outlets in North Carolina and South Carolina and other areas. And in one day, like we lost like sixty facilities all at once. The next day, we lose everything else. Um, so we went from working and knowing that something was coming and we weren't sure what it's going to look like to boom, our, you know, it just stopped. So our guys worked a couple of days. Um, uh, they finished up their work in places that they could, and then we ha- and then we had to had to lay off every tech. That was terrible. I would be lying if I did not say that when we hung up from that conference call that I did not shed a tear. That's not what I'm in business for. You know, I'm in business for I take care of people. That is the goal. Along with building my own legacy and my own wealth and everything else that I want to do in life that's based from owning a business, I also have a responsibility to these individuals, and I felt like poo, for sure. Then I had to turn around and lay off all my whole office staff, too, because at first the laws came out and said, this is going to happen, and I I was going to first be on the hook by the language. Regardless, we've managed to get the all the loans. We got the we we got our PPP yesterday. We got um, we got the economic relief loan. I never thought the government would give me that much money and and tell me I could do with it what I need to and potentially write it off. That's funny to me, <laughs> you know. And but it's a good thing too because in writing that article about being a felon and the language that was there, I was worried, you know. Um, my bookkeeper, me and him did time together. He was worried, you know, um, I mean, it's just, there's some things that is going bit fit tech. Uh, we have grown to where we have a DC office. We had an Orlando office, but that looks like that's shutting down. That was just a bad relationship, um, or has shut down. I'm not going to send any more work that way. It, it didn't meet my standards. Um, but the DC office is rocking and we are actually going to go through a name change. Um, the new, uh, Alluded to that in other visits with you guys, but we're going to do it now because we can. So uh, the website's in the process of doing redirects and everything else and rebranding. So we will be called Service RX from here on out. Uh, reason being is there's too many fit techs, and we'll own our own mistakes, but we're tired of owning somebody else's mistakes who's named Fit Tech in some other part of the country. Um, and so that's really cool. That's going to get hard to. Uh, one, like, I'm really good at typing out my email address without thinking about it. <laughs> you know, things like that, right? You know, saying, you know, my elevator speech, right? You know, so now we're Service RX. That's cool. Um, we just, right before meeting with you guys, we had a, a Zoom meeting, uh, the accountant and staff talking about starting the engine back up, getting people back to work doing everything that's necessary, what are the things that they can go do in, in their prospective warehouses, what can they do, can they go clean up their vehicles, things that they can do for as long as they can without having to engage the public for as long as they can too, as we figure out how the country is going to open back up. Um, I'm very excited about that. I'm very happy about that. And then what I was talking about with expanding, right? So the, the government just gave me money and said, if you use it this specific way, we're going to give it, we're going to, it's going to be okay. We're going to write it off. And then if you don't, you got two years to pay it back at 1% interest, 1% interest. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, so now like, how do you grow? How do you get yourself out, you know, pay off your debts, do the things that you have, right? That's what I was talking about. How do you expand? Right. And those are things that we'll, we won't even address until we get a couple of weeks into payroll and see what we paid out and what we got to do. And we'll let we'll let the loan programs uh, then put out better information so we understand what the lanes look like and, and what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Because I'm not going to play with the government. I've already done that once in my life, and they took it for three years, and they're not getting that again. Um, so it's cool, you know. Uh, but we've been scared for sure. And there's not a single person in this country who could say, Oh, I know what's going on here. I've seen this before. You're a liar. You know, um, not a single person knows what's going on and everybody's gotten a little darn scared. So, uh, but we're happy to say that we're going to get our crew back together or the band is getting back together and hopefully they'll be back on the road shortly. I I can dig it. You know, fingers crossed for all of us, honestly. Uh, you, me, Meg, all of us have had our businesses just devastated by this whole outbreak. So we're on the same page, in my opinion. Um, 
One, one question I had real quick was uh, you talked uh, pretty adamantly about how lowball culture was really prevalent in your industry. Um, when things hypothetically do open up, do you feel that's still going to be more of the case? Or is... Well, I think what's going to happen is uh, people who were fly-by-night operators, I think we'll lose some of them. I'm in a very niche industry, right? There's not a lot of us. And there's a lot, and then there's a, a lot that are not good. So, I like, I've had one guy in in Charlotte reach out to me and say, "Lost all his text," you know. And I said, "Why don't you come work for us? Let's 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 ab- absorb you, all right?" And so they're looking to grow. You know, I'm going to be fair. It's not me cannibalizing on him. It's, it's me keeping him in business, and because I already have the tools, I'm bigger. You know. Um, Lowball, you know, where are I'm also an industry too that man, where are you sort of the lowest pay scale you could get? It's really sad, <laughs> it just really is. I mean, we are not paid like a plumber or a mechanic or, or uh, heck, probably even half the carpenters out there. Um, it's really terrible pay as it is, so it's a little hard to get into lowball. Um, we'll see how this shakes out, uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, I, the fitness industry, um, I've heard 24 hour, I saw an article, I didn't read it, you know, 24 hour fitness was talking about maybe bankrupting, um, yeah. you know, and I'm sure there's others involved. I'm more worried about the mom and pops of the large franchises. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to put a call into, uh, if they'll take it, you know, we I have an, I, I happen to be acquainted with, um, Adam Zaitsev, who is the CEO of, of Gold's Gym. And we sit on a, a roundtable board together, and I want to make a call to him and go, how did Golds bear through all this? Because Golds is in the trans is wanting to transition back to being corporate owned to franchise owned because they've realized that running over 700 clubs domestically and whatever they have internationally, as uh, the vast majority of them being corporate owned, was way too difficult. And uh, and this happened in the middle of them sort of doing that stuff. So it'd be interesting to see where our industry goes for sure and, and what happens. There's not much we can really do. So. Yeah, yeah, our hands are tied. Um, I know right now uh, Georgia just opened up non-essential businesses. I'm assuming that meant uh, a lot of gyms opening up in Georgia. Do you think the Carolinas will follow suit and the rest of you know, Florida and stuff? I just don't know. Um, your private gym owners are going to take one stance because they are hurting so bad. Um, your corporate and franchise owned because they their liability risks and and the way that they are seen ethically, uh, I think will be slower. But then again, though, I mean, I got okay. So in the Orange Theory world, uh, we take care of a lot of those, and I got one ownership group that was sort of forced into shutting down. Like it took them an extra day or two to shut down. And because the franchise ownership group shut everybody down, right? So corporate shut down the franchise and said, you shutting your doors, regardless, we don't care what you think. Um, so I know that as soon as he gets the opportunity, he's back up and running, you know, because we're also dealing with everybody's personal opinions over a lot of screwed up information from beginning to end. You don't know what to believe, right? It's easy to be – you can listen to conspiracy theorists who who sound very legitimate, and it makes absolute sense. Then you can listen to talking heads on the news that make a lot of sense. And, you know, you just don't know. So it, I am trying not to give real answers on what the future holds because I got no clue. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a sense, Scott, of – you know, of course, none of us know, you know, what is going to happen in any particular industry. But for someone like yourself, you know, what we do here, this entrepreneurial spirit, your ability to bend and sway and come up with new ideas. Are you brainstorming for ways to perhaps shift your business to do something different if the industry actually does fail in a way that makes it untenable for a while? Are you out there dreaming? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Um, so, again, we have a great relationship with Hydra Massage. We, at one point in time, were heavily chasing what's called the float industry. So, um, 
sensory deprivation tanks have come back in the spa mm-hmm. world. Yeah, they're big uh, here. Yeah, I've only floated one time. Let me tell you, uh, dude, I would own one in a heartbeat. Um, you know, but we're too we're too early to the industry. We have had a little bit of dealings with the sunbed, uh, sunbed, uh, tanning bed industry. Uh, we would like to get a little bit more involved with that. Come to find out, it actually has a very weak support system in our area um, that we haven't figured out exactly how to get in that. Then again, we haven't been desperate. Um, so there's, yeah, there's not a lot to really pivot from. We. We already chase things like hospitals with rehab, large rehab facilities and stuff like that. So we've definitely got tried to go the corporate route as much as possible. But again, you would think that people would actually do a good job of actually caring for their equipment. But we're actually an industry that does not do a good job of caring for its equipment um, for as much as it's out there. Um, and so often you are your sale is almost talking somebody into doing the next right thing to protect their investment. Um, it's probably, I guarantee you people who sell life insurance are probably in the same kind of boat, right? Um, same principle. You, you just don't think it's going to go wrong, and then you complain when something does go wrong. So it's it's a rough industry. Um, I, me personally, I'm just trying to diversify. Uh, like I mentioned to you guys, was, you know, at the very beginning of starting a podcast called World Domination conversations to uh, dominate life. And that's because I'm, I got to scratch my own itch and learn other ways to become better um, and learn from other people who've already made the mistakes, you know, um, and then hopefully share that with people out in the universe. Uh, but as far as fit tech, no, you know, I got a short-term rental business too. So I, I rent, you know, what you guys would call Airbnbs. Uh, that's been interesting too. Uh, you know, for one day, like my calendar is really booked and, and, and life is relatively easy to suddenly that had a very steep learning curve on how to keep occupancy in a time where uh, everybody stopped moving around. And uh, that got a little scary, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so I, I don't have any, you know, this is a time where no one has a definitive answer. It's just useless. No, we're all we're all in the exact same boat. Uh, so one of the things about your business is that you give back, uh, in my opinion, by hiring ex-cons. You try to preferably hire ex, uh, you know, people that are getting out of prison, help them transition, and get them into, you know, law-abiding work. What advice would you give to people right now that uh, are out of work, that are in that particular situation, to kind of keep them from straying from the path? Well, you could say, here's the deal, right? You know how I hire you? I'm going to, I'm going to do a background check on you because if, if you have something that won't, you know, if you have a sex offense, you have a reason why I can't send you to a certain area, I need to know. I don't need to find that out the hard way. I can't remember. I can't send you to military bases anymore. You know, the first, only time I've run into an issue here in the last several years is I went down to Fort Bragg and they hooked me and said, sir, you will never get on here again. When I used to get on after I'd already gotten out, you know, I was suck. But anyhow, so I'd run background checks. And for those people who are second chance employers, even third chance employers, the fact is, is that your job is, is to prove that you are not that person anymore. So where we've always had this question, do I check that box that says I'm a felon or do I not? You check that box because here's the deal. Even though it's unfair, it's unconstitutional. And we all know that the vast majority of people that that stuff will be set to the side. If you don't check that box, if, if you don't at least get in that interview and you get extremely honest about who you are and how you've changed, if that question comes up, then what I will see as an employer is that you're not done. If I find stuff in your background that you didn't tell me about when I asked you about it, you're not done. You're still not the honest person that I need. You didn't learn the lessons that you should have while incarcerated. Because here's the deal. When you're incarcerated, you should go work on yourself. Why? Because you've got all the time in the world. And there's no excuse for you to go in there and hang out on the same street corner in the prison that you did on outside. There's no reason why you sit at the card games instead of educating yourself. You, know, you are given an opportunity even though it doesn't feel like one. And for those of us who are sitting here successful after the fact, it's because we recognize that. I had a conversation with Jeremiah Hancock, who used to be on our organization last night for 
two hours. And he went in at 16 and did 16 years. And I was asking him last night, because he's only been out six years, and he was rocking and rolling. I was like, dude, you don't even sound like you were ever incarcerated. He said, because I went in and I did what was necessary for 16 years. You know, he's articulate. He doesn't sound like he was locked up. He's not mush mouth, doesn't talk in slang. He's kicking butt in the real estate industry. I mean, and that's what we need to be doing, right? We need to own our stuff. Like Jocko says, extreme ownership. We need to it's own it. It's definitely a complex process. We're pretty lucky here in Oregon that we've banned the box off of the application. So yeah. background checks. You know, you, the applications don't get thrown in the trash. Background That's checks good. get done after an initial, like, a cursory offer has been made for the job. So that's that's a little bit helpful. I'd love to see all the states do that. In the meantime, you know, kudos to you for being a second and third chance employer. It definitely comes with extra complications that folks like us, I think, you know, have an extra responsibility to engage in just so that we can, you know, because we want that for ourselves as well. It's really one of the reasons I think, and you've mentioned this in previous podcasts, being an entrepreneur helps in ways to level the playing field because when you do your own thing, you don't have to check the box. Exactly. Um, So that's, you know, that's a really good point. Uh, we are about to be done here. We're about out of time. This hour goes so fast and I don't want to let you go without giving you a chance to tell everybody where to find your podcast, where to find inmates to entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, what, what is the last shout out you want to give to let everybody know how to find and support your, your various organizations, what you're doing out there? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. So currently you still find uh, Fit Tech and Assembly at fittechandassembly.com. It will be changing into ServiceRx, which that website address, it'll do a redirect to the new website name, which will be GoSRX. Um, we, we're basically going to be servicing from D.C. through uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, over to Atlanta. Um, and install can sometimes go much further for sure because DC is still doing installs. Um, let's see here. Uh, inmates to Entrepreneurs, you find us at inmates2entrepreneurs.org. You, uh, you just type it in, and trust me, because the name is so specific, it will come up at the top of your search. It's, we are not hard to find. Uh, we would love to hear from everybody. Um, let's see here. Guest House, uh, I've done a terrible job of even making sure I'm even found uh, because it's been so easy, so I'll leave that alone. But I do have a short-term rental co- company called Guest House. Eventually, that will find its way in, out into the, the Internet world and be have a, its shingle hanging out there somewhere. Um, and then I'm in the process. I'm at the very beginnings of uh, the podcast called World Domination uh, uh, Conversations to Dominate Life. We've we've recorded two episodes and put them on YouTube right now. But again, because I've been uh, recording while also trying to manage two other businesses through this craziness, I put the recordings up that you probably could not research and find them right now but if that sounds interesting make sure that you uh occasionally keep searching for world domination because i hashtag half of everything i ever do in life as world domination and eventually you will find me um and but i will also put more uh work into the seo and everything else so that it is findable over the next couple weeks after i just get these businesses launched and we get through the pandemic and i can now focus um, I'm just doing recordings right now, and so that also too, when someone finds it, there's more than just like one video. <laughs> awesome! Thank you so much. And you know what, Scott? Thank you so much for showing up here and being a guest on our podcast and sharing all of the good work you're doing. It's really inspiring to know that there's folks out there that genuinely care about this population and willing to employ them are willing to go out and take the things that you know and that you've learned and share them with other people so that people that don't feel like they have a chance can actually start to feel like they have something really powerful and important to contribute. It's big work that you're doing. And I'm, you know, we're so grateful that you've taken the time today to share all this stuff with, with us on this podcast and our listeners. 
I mean, it's, it's my absolute pleasure to come on every single time. We're going to go for number four now. I, I now have a personal goal to be the most, uh, the guest who's ever come on the most, that we develop personal relationships here. But also, to what people don't realize is you would be surprised how many people are, that you would not expect are in your corner or in your corner. Like the Koch brothers actually have an arm that is all of, has lawyers employed all about recidivism. Would you ever thought the name, the name Koch brothers would say recidivism behind it? They do. You know, there's people fighting for us. Problem is, is they're fighting a very big machine. And it's a machine that has a lot of money involved. And um, we're, you're also fighting people who want votes to change laws, you know, and that's a, that's a hard fight, right? So um, I'll keep doing my portion, and I appreciate being on here. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Scott. Excellent guest, as always. I just want to end it on two things. Uh, first of all, uh, I touched on this a little bit last week, but if you have anyone, any friends, family, anyone like that that's incarcerated right now, please take the time to pick up the calls. Please take the time to write them. Uh, it means a whole lot to anyone that's dealing with all this craziness right now. And also, if you have a little bit extra money in that stimulus check or maybe just a little money sitting around, do not forget to put a little money on your on your friends' and family's books that are still currently incarcerated. Um, on that note, every Friday at 10 a.m., join us right here, StartupRadioNetwork.com, Bill and A Podcast. Thank you, Meg. Thank you, Scott. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.